You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and this is With Friends Like These. All I want for Christmas is my two Democratic senators from Georgia. I was going to try to sing that, by the way, but trust me, this way is best. The Georgia Senate runoff election is January 5th. Early voting has already started, and it's already broken general election records for turnout. And I know we have some of you to thank, because I know some of you are already participating in Crooked's Adopt a State, Georgia edition, helping organizers on the ground to get folks to the polls by any means necessary. If you want to be a part of what is already a historic election, join up with Adopt a State yourself, why don't you? Sign up to Adopt Georgia at votesaveamerica.com slash Georgia and keep an eye on your email for the best ways to support local efforts. It's within reach, folks. And every little bit of help matters. First, a content warning. We will be talking about Santa Claus and the existence thereof. Keep your believing children away from this podcast if they happen to be listening or not. It turns out that believing in Santa is a pretty durable concept that can withstand a lot of truth. And, you know, you can call me Scrooge if you like, but I've always felt weird about encouraging kids to believe in Santa Claus. I mean, I get that, you know, Santa is the spirit of Christmas. We're all Santa. Santa spreads joy throughout the world. But getting kids to believe in something that you yourself don't believe, isn't that lying? I started reading up for this episode assuming that the best thing for parents to do is to be honest. Santa is pretend and fun to read about and play act, but isn't part of the real world any more than Hogwarts is. Friends, I appear to be wrong. Or at least not right. Jacqueline Woolley, she's a professor of psychology at the University of Texas, does research on the imaginative lives of children. She argues that believing in Santa can be an important developmental stage for children. And... As she points out in the interview, it's fun. So 
We talk Santa, why children are frequently more rational than adults, and her own daughter's incredibly sophisticated sleuthing. Coming right up. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I've actually wondered for a long time the, about the question I'm about to ask you, which is, is it good for kids to believe in Santa Claus? You have an answer for that question. Yeah, I, I have somewhat of an answer. Um, to be honest, the, there's not a lot of empirical research that answers that question. Um, in other words, psychology researchers haven't sort of um, looked at kids who believe in Santa and looked at kids who don't believe in Santa and then compared various developmental outcomes. It just hasn't been done. Um, and part of that, to be honest, is that it's really hard to find kids in this country who don't believe in Santa, at least for some period of time. Um, so then every, my answer to that question is really just sort of based on just theorizing and, and thinking about this a lot. Um, and the answer is we don't know. Um, but, (laughs) but, um, but here's my, my take on it. Um, when children are believing in Santa, what they're really doing is engaging in a fantasy and engaging in a fantastical world in which impossible things can happen. Um, More broadly speaking, what they're doing is they're imagining the impossible. And in my mind, that lines up quite clearly with the kinds of things that let's say inventors do or scientists do. So (laughs) if if we hadn't gone beyond the day-to-day and our knowledge of what's possible, in our thinking, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are today, technology-wise. So my thinking is that um, engaging in the whole Santa Claus myth and kind of imagining that the impossible could actually be possible, I, I think it stretches your mind in in a way that potentially promotes um, higher level thinking and creativity. What brought you to the topic of Santa? Um, it, it really came out of research that I was doing on children's understanding of the mind and mental state. So I was really interested in what children understand about thinking and knowing and believing. And part of that is what children understand about imagining and believing in things. And so I was just, uh, came to, came to uh, the question about belief in Santa from, um, working on kids understanding of imagination and the idea that, um, when you imagine something, it doesn't make it real. Um, and so then I started thinking about children's understanding of what's real and what's not real. And that's kind of my, my larger research question is just how do people decide what's real and what's not real? And how do people decide what to believe in um, more generally? In one of your papers, you write that the phenomenon of live Santas is actually kind of unique in the children's imagination repertoire, right? And yeah, I mean, the idea that this fantastical or mythical being could actually appear sort of in the flesh um, is is pretty rare. It's not, Santa isn't the only case of that. And I always think about Sesame Street Live or, um, 
you know, Disneyland or Disney World or something like that in which fantastical characters seem to come to life. But um, I think the Santa situation is a little unique in, in, in that sense, yeah. It's not just that we see a representation of Santa in the real world. It's that you see tons of Santas, right? You see Santa everywhere. Right. And we thought that perhaps that would be confusing or sort of a tip off to the fact that Santa wasn't real, but it didn't actually turn out that way. And I, and I actually sort of thought it would be the opposite. I thought it would it would for sure be a tip off um, that Santa wasn't real if all these people were kind of, you know, um, claiming to be Santa in all of these different situations. And there was an interesting, another interesting thing about that study, which is that there's sort of this liminal space in belief almost. Like it's not a binary of do you believe in Santa or not, that there are sort of steps along the way. That it doesn't make sense to just talk about whether kids believe in Santa or don't believe in Santa. I really do think there's kind of a process. Um, and, I, and I think that's true with just, just about anything that um, we can talk about with regard to whether it's real or not. I, I think, um, you know, at one end, there are things that we know for sure are not real. For, for example, unicorns. At another end, there are things that we know for sure are real, for example, horses. Um, but then in between, there are all kinds of things that might be real or that we think could be real, but we're not sure, or that we're pretty sure are real, but we don't want to bet our life on it. And there's a whole continuum. And I think that everybody has this continuum kind of in their mind somewhere. It's just that we kind of draw the line between real and not real in different places. and. Um, that's kind of how I think about it now. And what's the role of parents here? There's a reason why kids believe in Santa Claus, right? Like they they get messages about it. Is it parents? Is it culture? How does that happen? Believing in Santa Claus is fun. And so it's good for kids in the same way that anything fun is good for kids. Because fun is fun. It makes you smile and it makes you happy. And in that sense, it's good for kids, right? Um, and uh, without saying anything about whether it furthers their cognitive development, but does it really need to? I mean, does everything we do with kids have to further their cognitive development? I don't know. That's, um, you know, something we could talk about, but I, I think, so the question of parents is really, <laughs> is really interesting. Um, why would, you know, a parent who's presumably trying to raise a child who knows a lot about the world and is smart and is informed and makes rational decisions, why would a parent choose to tell their child this thing that's not true and elaborate on that? It's quite bizarre. I think part of the reason parents do it is, again, the same reason that I think it's beneficial for kids and that it's fun. It's, it's like participating in this elaborate fantasy is fun um, for parents and for kids. And I, I don't think people have done enough studying of the parents, you know, um, but uh, I think a lot of it is just that that's what that's how they were raised. And it's just sort of, you know, traditions mean a lot. Traditions hold families together. Um, and I think um, it's a tradition that they grew up, that parents grew up with, and it's a tradition that they share with the rest of the culture. And those are just, both of those are really, really powerful reasons to continue that tradition. And it is something sort of bizarre if we step back, that that not just parents are encouraging this belief, but it is a cultural thing. Like everything about Santa that's geared towards kids is to enforce the fact that Santa is is real. 
And something in your in one of your studies that I was just delighted by um, was that you framed questions to kids in such a way that you wouldn't um, unintentionally disabuse them of the notion of mm-hmm. Santa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, yeah, self-protective. Um, <laughs> you know, there have been um, a couple of stories, you can find them in the media, of teachers who either intentionally intentionally or unwittingly sort of um, disabused their <laughs> their students of their Santa belief, and they have faced the wrath of their communities. Um, there, might, there might have even been one case in which the teacher was fired or at least disciplined. Um, and so, yeah, that's another interesting um, phenomenon that, that beliefs in Santa in this culture are really sacred or close to sacred. And uh, you don't want to risk, um, you know, messing with the kid's Santa beliefs. So we've always been really cautious about that. And I think it's important um, to talk about, uh, you said the sacredness of Santa. Let's let's zoom back a little here because it is true that Santa is part of a Christian tradition. For uh, for most Christians, it, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think at least for most fundamental or Christians or conservative Christians, Santa Claus has nothing to do with Christmas. And And you said it's hard to find children who don't believe in Santa. I read in, in something that you wrote that even Jewish children can believe in Santa. That such it's such a cultural norm because Santa is so prevalent in the culture, and, and then of course it depends on how the the parents handle it. Some Jewish families celebrate both holidays, and I think the parents do this partly, you know, obviously to respect their own religion, but they celebrate Santa Claus just because the culture celebrates Santa Claus, and it's you know fun for their kids, and it's easier for their kids, and. It doesn't um, hurt anything. That's, um, it doesn't, well, see, that's another thing we can talk about, right? So is Santa Claus good for kids, but is believing in Santa Claus bad for kids in any way? You know, if, if you're a Jewish family and you want to throw in the Santa part, sure, what the heck, how does, does that hurt anything? Um, and and that brings up the issue of the, that I think maybe you guys are interested in too, which is, um, you know, are we, in telling children about Santa Claus, are we potentially um, affecting their trust of us once they find out that Santa Claus isn't real later on? It's not Christmas without capitalism. Please enjoy these solicitations to exchange the idea of money for tangible goods. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Calm. 2020 has been a lot I actually started a meditation practice basically as soon as it started to be clear that it was going to be a lot, the beginning of the pandemic. It shocks me all the time that I've kept it up, meditating daily throughout. My secret isn't willpower. It's that I make it easy for myself. I can do it for just a minute, and I can do it right before bed, which honestly is sometimes the best way to do it, and I use Calm. Calm is the app designed to help ease stress and get you the best sleep of your life. They have a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over 100 sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Get the Calm app and you can experience a transformation in the way you sleep. 
For listeners of this show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash friends. That's 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. Get started today at calm.com slash friends. That's calm.com slash friends. With Friends Like These is brought to you by American Giant. It is more important than ever to support local communities and businesses. It's a great time to be buying clothes that are made here. That's not always easy. Did you know that in 1960, 95% of all clothing was made in the USA? Today, it's only 3%. Have you wondered why that is? Why is it that we throw most of the things we buy away? They feel disposable and cheap. American Giant is different. They have built a 100% USA-based supply chain. They have relationships to factories, workers, and communities at every step of the way. They're not cheap. But they make some of the best sweatshirts and sweatpants and leggings I have ever tried. The clothing is durable, not disposable. It lasts, and you can tell that it will last. There's something about the weight of their sweatshirts. It's the perfect weight. It's like lighter than a sweater, but it will keep you warm if it's a little brisk. And it just feels solid. It just feels like you're putting something on that took time to make. You can get 15% off your first order when you use promo code FRIENDS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use the code FRIENDS at American-Giant.com. So I'm going to tell you a true story. My husband loves eggs. In fact, early on in our relationship, we were at some place with a salad bar, and I looked up and he was carrying a plate filled with nothing but hard-boiled eggs. He was carrying them like it was a circus act. They were rolling around a flat surface of the plate, but he didn't drop any of them. None of them broke. He is grace under pressure, really. Today, for a lot of reasons, he doesn't have to do that trick anymore. We are both older, a little less daring, and we're watching our health, which means eggs are not such a big part of our diet anymore. Instead, there's just egg. Just Egg is better for you. It's protein-packed and has no cholesterol. Just Egg is better for the planet. It's made from mung beans. They use 98% less water and emit 93% fewer carbon emissions than a conventional egg. Well, like the egg itself probably doesn't emit stuff, but you know, the process of getting that egg to your table. So if you're making a holiday brunch for the whole family or just trying to take your own first step to a healthier plant-based diet, give Just Egg a try. Even better, Share it with a loved one. Cook it up with your partner or for mom. See if they can tell the difference. Just Egg is available at most grocery stores, your local co-op, Amazon Prime Now, and Instacart. Look for Just Egg in the egg fridge or find the frozen Just Egg folded for easy breakfast sandwiches. Just Egg, a better egg for you and the planet. We are proud to have Just Egg as a sponsor. It's a great product and a company with a great mission. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. We're back with Jacqueline Woolley and possibly more discussion of Santa than is especially wise. 
how is how is encouraging a belief in Santa Claus different from lying to kids? One is that I feel like in a way it's no different than engaging kids in any kind of mythical or fictional experience. So, you know, we read books to kids all the time about fantastical beings. And as you're reading the book, you're entering this fictional world where these beings exist. Um, So in a similar way, you're encouraging children to, you know, enter this fantastical world of, of Santa Claus. So it's kind of like, or, you know, you take a child to a play or you watch a movie. In all of these cases, you're kind of entering this fictional world um, with your child. So you, you could think of it sort of that way that you're not lying to children, but that you're sort of inviting them to join you in this, in this fictional world. Um, but, um, another way to think about it is, I, the kinds of, uh, ways that we talk about these kinds of beings can vary. So, um, we can, we can make explicit belief statements or what we call explicit belief statements in our research, which is a statement like, I believe in Santa Claus, Santa Claus is real. Um, or you can make implicit statements. You can say things that imply the existence of Santa Claus, like Santa Claus is going to bring you toys tonight, or Santa Claus comes down the chimney, that kind of thing. Um, I think a lot of what parents say to kids about Santa Claus is more of the implicit sort of statement. Um, in which they're saying Santa's going to do this, Santa does that, you know, let's write a letter to Santa, that sort of thing. And very rarely, I think the parents actually explicitly state to their kids that Santa Claus is real. But I think that when you get to, if you get to the point where your kid comes to you and says, mom, is Santa Claus real, you know, or is Santa Claus a real physical person? And you say, yes, yeah, that's lying. (laughs) Um, But then again, is it, always bad to lie? That's an ethical question, moral question. I I think it's true that in a way, like Santa Claus is a weirdly special case, right? Because I think if you told, if a child asks where babies come from and you said a stork delivers them, I think that's bad. I mean, just personally, you don't have to give explicit answers, but that's, that's a whole cloth creation. But the Santa thing does feel different to me. And one of the ways it feels different is this continuum that we were talking about earlier, which is maybe an important thing for kids to go through, that, that to learn that there's, there is such a thing as a space between belief and disbelief. And they can take that journey themselves. I do think that the process of finding out about Santa Claus and that he is real um, can teach valuable lessons along those lines. Um, you know, understanding um, the role of evidence and belief can really be a, a valuable lesson. Um, you know, the kid who, um, you know, who examines the writing on the presents at Christmas time and, and sort of thinks about, wow, this is kind of, you know, maybe goes and gets a sample of her parents' handwriting um, from a note or from a whatever, a check or something, a shopping list, and kind of, you know, looks at that and compares it to the, the messages on the presence from Santa Claus and then sort of thinks about what that means for the existence of Santa Claus. I just thought of different ways that kids discover that Santa Claus isn't real. And 
Um, sometimes it's just because somebody tells them, but of course that involves evaluating the, you know, credibility of the source and the trustworthiness of the source. Um, you know, if your friend tells you Santa Claus isn't real versus if, if your teacher tells you or your parent te- tells you. So I, I actually, I do think that whole process of coming to disbelieve, um, is really informative and perhaps, you know, gives kids experience with the scientific process. I felt like, yeah, I felt like I discovered that we don't give kids enough credit when I was reading your stuff about being logical. And the thing that I took out of your writing was that actually parents can be kind of tangential to that process, that it is really about the kid. And, and I there was an aside in, in something you wrote about how one girl left a camera so Santa had to take a selfie. Like, <laughs> oh, see, oh, my God. Wow. A researcher. Your daughter is a researcher. Yeah, I was impressed. I was really impressed that. Right. I mean, it was very scientific. And um, and I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for me to to talk to her about science and evidence and, and to reveal that Santa Claus wasn't real um, in the process. But then kind of the mad scientist part of me decided I wanted to study her for longer. And so, (laughs) so I wrote, I disguised my handwriting and wrote a note back from Santa that said that he couldn't figure out how to work the camera. And so she continued to believe and I got to study her longer. Isn't that horrible? I I don't know. I was going to ask you about your own experience with children and, and Santa and you just, wow, like that's, that's a lot. But um, how old is your ch- is your daughter now? Oh, she's 23 and she doesn't believe in Santa anymore. And have you talked to her about that process? Did you did you study her process of coming to disbelieve? Yeah. Well, what really surprised me was um, how long after that she did believe um, lo- much longer than my first child. And and uh, I think maybe uh, even a couple years after that event, or maybe it was just a year, um, we had a conversation with at someone's house with some parents and some kids. I don't remember who was there, but basically in the conversation, everyone was talking about when their kids stopped believing in Santa. And I thought, Oh gosh, my daughter was sitting right there. I thought, okay, it's over now. You know, she's, you know, and on the way home, I kept waiting for her to say something and she never said anything. And then she continued to seem seemingly continued to believe for a year or two after that, which was fascinating. And again, I think a lot of times kids pretend that they believe in Santa Claus um, or they want their parents to think that they believe in Santa Claus much longer than they actually really do believe. Again, I'm struck by the sophistication of children. I mean, I I mean, I guess I would mean we all were that sophisticated, but something about growing up makes you forget that, that there's all kinds of stuff happening in their head, like intentionally deceiving their parents in order to keep their parents I don't think want to say to keep them happy, but they know it's fun. Like I know my my parents have fun doing this, so I'm going to go ahead and pretend like I believe. Yeah, it's it's uh, what we call theory of mind. You know, understanding how uh, what other people believe and how you can have an effect on other people on what other people believe, and then how their beliefs affect their behavior. So if I um, reveal that I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore, there is this slight chance that maybe they won't give me presents because they'll think, oh, the game's over. We are obligated by society to remind you that gifts must be bought. Please enjoy these advertisements as suggestions for that. 
So I may have mentioned this because it's exciting and an important thing in my life, but my husband and I have moved to Texas for the winter. It's amazing. Um, both of us feel better. We've been on runs. We've taken the dog out. All the stuff you can't really do in the middle of winter in Minnesota. But the trip down, you know, it was a move. It was like moving. And we got to the new place in the middle of the night. Somehow you always do, right? And we had no food. Except I had just gotten a magic spoon like box of stuff when we were leaving our apartment in Minnesota. And I'd thrown it in my car thinking, yeah, we'll need cereal at some point. So we had cereal for dinner at our first night in this new house, sitting on the couch, watching Bachelorette, eating cereal. Both of our favorite cereals, they're different. He likes the fruity kind. I like the chocolate and peanut butter kind, which I actually mix. Those are two separate flavors, but you can have like a Reese's cereal, DIY. And you know what the best part is of that perfect date? Magic Spoon is good for you. It has zero grams of sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. And you can make your own custom box like I did. You can choose from the best-selling cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry flavors, or peanut and cinnamon flavors. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com slash WFLT to build your own custom variety box and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code WFLT at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash WFLT and use code WFLT for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. This episode of With Friends Like These is also brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying a bunch from single product brands, Public Good members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. And when I say they are your everything store, they are your everything store. I have bought bath mats from Public Goods. I have bought chocolate-covered almonds from Public Goods. My husband still loves the ramen from Public Goods. It's it's everything. And at first, it might seem kind of weird that it all comes with the same packaging, but, you know, it sort of makes me feel like I'm, I'm living in an Ikea store, but in a good way. Everything matches. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. That reminds me, they also sell dog treats. They use a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. Best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. They plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. Join hundreds of thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. And we've worked out an exclusive deal for With Friends Like These podcast listeners. Receive $15, that's $15, off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you will love their products and come back again and again. They're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash friends or use offer code friends at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com 
slash friends to get $15 off your first order. With Friends Like These is brought to you by Stamps.com. This holiday season, more people will be mailing stuff than ever before. And that means the post office is going to be busy. You don't have time for that. Stamps.com brings the post office and UPS shipping right to your computer. Mail and ship anything from the convenience of your home or office. With Stamps.com, anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clicks. Plus, Stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Simply use your computer to print U.S. postage 24-7, any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Like maybe the North Pole. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off of every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time and money. It's no wonder that over 900,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office. Sign up for Stamps.com instead. There is no risk. With my promo code FRIENDS, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitment or contract. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in FRIENDS. That's Stamps.com and enter FRIENDS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Back to the show. No more interruptions. So the mall Santa effect, right? Where the more Santas you see, the more you think Santa is real. It reminded me of research we've talked about on this show before about misinformation, which has to do with if you repeat misinformation, even if it's in the context of saying it's a lie, people will start to believe it more. And that's what I thought of when you talked about your daughter at that party. Yeah, there's a, a researcher, Lisa Fazio, has done some really great stuff with kids. Uh, the illusory truth effect, they call it. Um, and that, that you know, if you hear something repeated multiple times, you're going to judge it as more real or more possible or whatever than if you if you didn't. And, um, and she's found this effect in kids, too, um, suggesting that maybe it's not something that we learn. It's actually something that's just there from early on. The big difference between Santa and, you know, lying about a border wall um, is that children eventually figure out that Santa isn't real. But adults, for some reason, seem to carry on their their fantasy a lot longer. It's really tricky when, when you think of a lot of these kinds of um, what you might call weird beliefs that people have. Um, and, and we could broaden our discussion to include you know, anything from uh, alien abductions to conspiracy theories to anti-vax beliefs. I mean, um, what happens with these kinds of beliefs is people form them fairly easily for whatever reason. But I think the problem is maybe not so much why people form them in the first place, but what keeps them going and what makes them so hard to change. And I think a big part of that is what researchers call the confirmation bias, which is that we, you know, you may be familiar with this already, but that we, we basically, we see evidence that supports our beliefs and we either overlook or discount evidence that contradicts our beliefs. And so it makes it really, really hard to, you know, 
get someone to stop believing in something. Right. I'm just thinking though about about your daughter and the and the selfie and the and the kids that look at the um, handwriting and how I, I maybe this is not useful to go through, but and how you know adults who believe that there is a um, cabal of um, child molesting, blood drinking uh, liberals don't do that investigation, right? Like the the children who try to figure out if Santa is real are doing something that's sophisticated, scientific, um, evidence based. Right. But right, and and why aren't adults doing that? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you don't have an answer, but one thing I thought about was, um, and something else I was reading uh, for the show, is that you did some kind of experiment where you found that children were less likely to give supernatural explanations for things. You know, just getting back, uh, just stepping away from that supernatural explanations finding just briefly, because I do think that I'm, th- I'm going in two directions again. I do think that kids have to kind of learn the um, supernatural forces that are kind of um, a part of their culture. Um, so I don't know that, um, that that shows necessarily that kids are more rational. It might just show that they, they're, that they still, they kind of haven't sort of learned all of the, the supernatural sorts of forces that adults endorse. With Santa Claus, I, I do think a big part of these beliefs that adults have that it's so, you know, where you don't see them doing scientific testing. I mean, part of it is kind of like a motivation. I mean, they're, they have a, there's a group affiliation motivation going on here with a lot of these beliefs, conspiracy beliefs, uh, for example. Um, I think with kids, I mean, you do probably reckon, you know, kids, like we were talking about before with the continuum of belief, kids spend a fair amount of time in this like nether world, you know, in between believing he's real and believing he's not. And while you're in that sort of uncertain time, you, you may be aware of, um, you know, the group that you're a part of is mostly, you know, your peers and maybe younger kids. And, you know, the group that you may become a part of by not believing in Santa Claus is the adults and the older people in, in your life. And so, um, Maybe the group uh, force is working in favor of, you know, the scientific experimentation in that sense, whereas the group force is working against that when you talk about these, like, conspiracy theories or uh, maybe alien abduction theories. I have, I just came up with another theory, Um, although you're the researcher, obviously, but um, that liminal space. Uh, that children uh, have to be in for a while, and, and it encompasses probably a lot of stuff, right? Um, unicorns, Tooth Fairy, um, uh, Harry Potter, you know, magic, all of that stuff, where they they can kind of be in this place of sort of believing, right? I think adults might lose that space. I think that might narrow for for adults. That's a really interesting proposal. Yeah, that it might narrow. Um, yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of different theories about what that space is or alternative views of what what might be going on. Um, some some um, philosophers have talked about a, a construct called a leaf as opposed to belief. Um, and that's basically like, 
when you believe something, um, let's say, you know, I don't know if you've ever, I haven't been, but I guess at, at the Grand Canyon, there's a glass or plexiglass um, little like bridge or kind of balcony that you can stand on. And apparently a lot of people are just absolutely terrified to stand on this balcony, even though they know full well that it's safe because everybody else is standing on it. And, you know, you know, the, the material that it's made out of and you trust the people who made it and that sort of thing. Um, um, so how do you account for that? You know, do you believe that this platform is safe or do you not believe it's safe? Which one is it? Um, it just seems kind of to be neither or both, you know, or maybe somewhere in between, maybe it is that kind of liminal space that you're talking about. Or another way to think about it is that you believe that it's safe, but you a leave that it's not safe. In other words, you, you believe that it's safe, but all of your emotional reactions and behaviors are coming from this other construct that's called an A-leaf. I do think there's other factors too, though, like there's emotional factors. I think a lot of conspiracy theories come from fear on some level, you know, and, and being threatened. Um, and in that sense, having these kinds of beliefs makes people feel more in control and less threatened. And I think the Santa Claus belief doesn't come from that kind of uh, place. So I have a couple of questions that I just, I, I would never forgive myself if I didn't get to them before the end of the episode. And one of them is, do you have any idea about the cross-cultural uh, implications uh, of this? That do, I mean, I know other cultures have Santa, but is America peculiar in its promotion of Santa? Um, I probably not. Um, I mean, I think we often tend to go over the top as a culture in these kinds of commercial exploits. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many Hallmark, how many holidays is Hallmark created? Um, but, but no, I mean, I, I, I think that these, um, you know, believing believing and engaging with these myths sorts of myths is fairly universal. Um, but I guess I, I, I would say maybe we're on a continuum, you know, we we're over the top a little bit, but I don't think we're qualitatively different as a culture than other cultures that have Santa. I just think maybe we kind of uh, go a little bit further. We talked, we've just talked a lot about mall Santas. This is the year of no mall Santas. You know, this is a year of of no live Santas or, or few live Santas. Have you have you thought about that? Um, not very much. Um, and I think kids will be fine. <laughs> and I think Santa belief will be fine. <laughs> They're doing better than we are then. I mean, at least on that regard. I think a lot of for a lot of Americans, our beliefs got busted by the pandemic. Belief in security and um, effectiveness of government um, and our own, you know, our own safety, right? And I know kids are suffering a lot in different ways. Yeah. But not, not this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I, I'm thinking about, also thinking about, um, you know, the, the kinds of letters that Santa's uh, children are writing to Santa and whether they're any different this year. Um, than they typically are. And I don't know the answer to that. Jacqueline, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really fun to talk to you today. And that is it for the show. 
We will be running some of our best of episodes over the holidays. My team is taking a break that everyone deserves and that we are lucky enough to have. My holiday wish for you is that you're able to take care of yourself in whatever form that takes. Eat the stuff you love, watch the shows you love, do the Zoom parties with the people you love, even if other people are doing things different. This show is a production of Crooked Media. It is produced by Allison Herrera and Liam McMahon Bird Dogs are social media feeds. Whitney Pastrick is incredibly good at what she does, even if the country music industry doesn't realize it. We have a personnel change coming up in the new year. Izzy Margulies will be graduating from intern to assistant producer, and Lily Alexandrov will be graduating, period, and leaving the show. I cannot express in words the asset that Lily has been, so I hope she doesn't think that the length of this goodbye has anything to do with how much we will miss her. We will miss her a lot. And over the next two weeks... I'll miss you too. Please take care of yourselves. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 